Welcome to the podcast, a monthly podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. Your partner in strategic relationships and business development. We are your hosts, Aubrey Darden and TJ Dennis. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you listening in again this week. For our guest this week, we have Yetta Stein, and Yetta is a director at Profitable Ideas Exchange, and she brings together groups of CIOs, heads of customer experience, chief information security officers, and semiconductor innovation leaders. Yetta is also a part of the culture team where she leads our JDEB initiative, which stands for Justice, Diversity, Equity, and Belonging. She holds a bachelor's degree from Portland State University's Urban Honors College in International Development and is currently pursuing a master's of fine arts and poetry from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. Hi, Yetta. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Good to see you both. We are happy to have you here as well. Um, I want to start today with a icebreaker question for you, because I feel like this actually I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. If you had to recommend to somebody, one of our clients who was outside of the state of Montana, they were saying like, I want to come so badly. I've set a week. I want to come and do something in the state of Montana that's like quintessential. What would you tell them that trip would be? I feel like I am betraying the fact that we're in the Gallatin Valley and we're we're close to Yellowstone, but I think Viking going to the Sun Road and Glacier is... Mm once in a lifetime. It's super accessible. You don't have to be like a hardcore biker, um, but it's beautiful and you see animals and you're biking in a national park, which is just, just bucket list. So that's what I would send them off to do and then get a huckleberry milkshake on your way back to Missoula. (laughs) I I love that. And for those that have never been there, uh, Glacier's five hours door to door from us. So it's like a very reasonable drive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and then you get to see the whole state, essentially. Yeah, the, the cool Western portion, at least. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, precisely. It's, it's so funny because I've never ridden going to the Sun Road, and I'm a huge cyclist, and everyone tells me I need to go do it, and I still haven't done it. I don't know why. I think it's because there's a very small time window, window during which you can go. And mm-hmm. I just never pay enough attention to know when that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. next year maybe next year. I think the ultimate dream is to slap a couple of skis to the side of your bike. You bike up the road and then you ski down. Mm-hmm. And that's like the per that's timing is everything. So there you go. That is, that is so springtime in Montana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. All right. So there you go. Everyone who's listening, you now have a pro tip on what to go do in the month of May. <laughs> like May early, June. early June. Early June. Okay. Definitely. Great. Yeah. Well, Yeah, as TJ said, we're really excited to have you here talking about DEI. So to start the conversation, would love to just hear kind of, you know, if you've been on LinkedIn or other professional development forums recently, um, you've seen DEI is everywhere. So in your eyes, what is DEI? Um, You know, maybe outside of the standard definition, like, what does it actually mean for a company? And and how, how are you defining it for, for Pi? Yeah, thanks, Aubrey. I 
before I share what DEI means to me, I just want to share that DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Make that acronym accessible. Um, I think at my core, I'm anti-acronym. Um, but I think at its core, DEI for me is, is finding the intersection of safety and empathy in the workplace. Um, and I think DEI, so, so it's often thought of as training and hiring and you know making things accessible. And I think, of course, all those things are important. But for me, at its heart, you know, DEI is, of course, bigger than, than all those different parts. It's, it's an opportunity for conversation. And at its essence, I think it has a lot to do with belonging. Um, and at PI, which, you know, I've helped shape our, our diversity, equity, and inclusion mission, but I'm certainly not the only voice. So I think at PI, DEI, the mission we really hold is, is creating a more equitable, more inclusive, more diverse, and more just workplace. Um, so our committee really focuses on that sense of belonging uh, we feel like it grounds us in in just like understanding one another, showing up for one another, and um, keeping one another safe. That's terrific, and and I guess that was going to lead into the next question. I was going to ask is what does the journey look like? Right uh, over the last couple of years through the pandemic, we've seen working from home change. We've seen the dynamic of offices change, but adding DEI on top of the work that we do probably means that it's changing as well. So, what's the journey look like for Pi? now and into the future. Yeah, I love that. Um, so we started our, our DEI journey, which we call JDEB, Justice, Diversity, Equity, and Belonging, in 2020. Um, we started it a bit before sort of the summer of 2020 racial justice reckoning that it felt like the whole world was going through. Um, but I think, of course, our journey was spurred along by, by sort of macro culture. Um, and I would say the first few months, we just spent a lot of time having conversations. There was about 12 of us who would just meet once a month and just talk and ground ourselves in, in knowledge that is, you know, far expansive than our, our little window into the world in, in Bozeman. Um, we put definitions in place. So we worked to define what, what diversity meant to us, what justice meant to us. Um, we brought in speakers. So we heard from folks from the Crow tribe, we brought in a present presenter from Planned Parenthood. And um, we just tried to learn. We just spent a lot of time like devouring knowledge. Mm. Um, the next year we spent a lot of time focusing on training. So we, we talked a lot about disrupting bias and um, diversity beyond the business case. Um, we just thought a lot about, again, how to educate ourselves, but how to educate ourselves holistically. Um, and I think the, the really important part of that was uh, finding common language to use. Um, so, so finding that word belonging and really landing on it as sort of a, a critical piece of the pie infrastructure. Um, and then we just spend a lot of time revising and editing our hiring language and, and really practically changing how we were approaching hiring, you know, from the work from home perspective, uh, from just like where we recruit from, um, you know, not necessarily just hiring uh, friends of friends of Pi, um, but but like putting ourselves out there and, and really reaching out to people we might not normally talk to. Um, so I think going forward, it, I think we'll still do a lot of those things, ground ourselves in knowledge, create a sense of belonging, focus on hiring and training. Um, but I think we're, we're trying to think about JDEV in two lenses right now. One is culture and one is strategy. So to me, okay. culture is, is the grassroots, the grassroots energy of, of sort of equity in the workplace. So what are we hearing on the ground? What do people need to feel supported and included? And then the strategy is really like the top end. So how does, JDEV, how does diversity, equity, inclusion fit into PI's 
holistic mission, vision, values. Um, and we know it does. Like we know the future of work is diverse and we know the future of work is equitable. Um, but how can we get there in a way that makes sense for us and in a way that's profitable and interesting and unique and engaging? And does it ever feel like, uh, for lack of better terms, that it's a moving target? I mean, I think that that's how a lot of things feel in the business right now. So I would imagine that that JDEB initiatives feel the exact same way, right? But in a good oh, way. It's such a good question. And I feel like my, my the poet in me is showing because like the word target feels really interesting to me. Like DEI is not a target. It's like forever. It's like what all, everything is encompassed underneath. It's an umbrella. And so like, sometimes the umbrella certainly gets picked up by the wind and like we are not shrouded in its in its fabric but mostly like we're just trying to stay under the umbrella and we're all carrying it together and like we're all just it's, it's just like keeping us it's keeping us dry it's a great analogy i love it <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being a poet <laughs> it, it does feel like a moving target to answer your question more specifically yes it, it feels like elusive and like it's a butterfly, like you can't grasp it, but that's kind of the fun part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think to a lot of people, DEI feels sort of nebulous in, in a sense, right? It feels kind of like it's out there. It's not something that's necessarily tangible. I think that also, you know, with a lot of our clients around environmental issues, we hear a lot of the same concerns. I think there's a lot of parallels there, right? It's kind of like, we have these objectives that we want to achieve, but how we get there and what that looks like for our company in a way that makes sense, feels sort of nebulous to people sometimes. And I think that every company is still figuring it out, whether it's a huge company or, you know, a, a smaller now growing to a medium-sized company in Montana like Pi, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It feels nebulous and I think it feels scary. Like it's all of these buzz, buzzy words, these, you know, quote unquote political issues. Um, and I think that's true to some extent. Like, of course, like confrontation is scary. Um, but I think more than anything, DEI is just really personal. And it can be hard to figure out what part of personal we bring into the workplace and what part we leave at home, where those doors open and close, and how the workplace should support the personal. Like, that's really a core of a lot of questions we ask on, on our JDEB committee. Absolutely. Well, and I commend you and, and the JDEB team here at Pi for pushing up against what often does feel scary because it's, it's a big subject to talk about. And I think inevitably people are going to have different perspectives and ideas and, and worldviews and all of that. So this is kind of a, a tangential question uh, that we hadn't originally written, but how do you hold that tension here at Pi between having these JDEB targets that you're, you're not targets, right? Like you said, but these JDEB goals and you're wanting to create this really welcoming, inclusive culture. But on the other hand, also creating space for people who may say this, I think we should do it this way or have we considered doing this, right? So having space for those contrary opinions that may not align with, with the JDEB team's vision of what that might be. 
Oh, I, I love that question. I would say on my worst days, I do not hold the tension and I lay on the floor and just think and process. And I would say on my best days, um, I remind myself that like criticism and feedback and being challenged is my love language. And so when people come to my office and say, hey, like this wasn't done well, this didn't feel inclusive, didn't feel good. I'm like, thank, thank you so much for trusting me with that, that like vulnerable feeling and help me make it better. And we work at a great place where everyone wants to help all the time. And so if our worst problem is that people have ideas, want to iterate and plan and, and create new processes and create new knowledge, that is an exceptional problem to have. Um, so that's how I hold that tension on like a, a macro esoteric level. Um, I think on like a more day-to-day level, I think we just try to have conversations and try to make people feel really safe in those conversations. Um, We remind ourselves that not everyone is going to be happy. Not everything is for everyone. Um, We have our our pie golf day coming up and we're a company of a hundred people. Not every person is going to golf. And that doesn't mean it's exclusive. It doesn't mean it's uninclusive. It just means that some events are for some people and some events are for other people. And that is totally, that is totally okay. Like that is what inclusion is. It's, it's creating opportunities for everyone, even if those opportunities don't look the same. Mm. I love that. Super helpful context. And I appreciate you being like willing to share all of this also, right? Like the laying on the floor and thinking portions, especially. <laughs> I've had my days at work where I've done the same. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> yeah I, it's not just DEI. A, a lot of things make me lay on the floor. So it's <laughs> Well, if you were going to tell somebody, you know, that they listen to this and they're like, what, where do I even start? Where, like, what resources exist? You mentioned a handful of speakers that came, some that were local, some that were maybe like a nationally based organization. Like, where would someone start to just even think about DEI or even just like read and, and do some of that learning that you talked about earlier? Yeah. When I thought about this question, I thought a lot about where we got, we've gotten our best ideas. Um, and I think most of those ideas have just come from our employees. Uh, and like I said, we have employees who care and who pay attention. Um, and, and so a question I always try to ask myself when thinking about JDEB is like, are we actually solving a problem or are we creating a problem to solve? Um, so you know, if we implement a book club, what problem is that solving, right? It's solving the problem of like shared knowledge. Um, and, and so that feels like a really real problem that is worth paying attention to. Um, but there are other examples of, you know, us overthinking things, which is really easy to do in the DEI space. And then we're able to take a step back and say, I don't think this is a real problem. So I think if, if any company or, or human is sort of starting out on their, their DEI journey in the workplace, I think just talking to your fellow employees is sort of the most valuable resource. And we say that a lot at Pi, that our people are our most valuable resource. And I don't think that value changes in, in any way, shape or form when it comes to DEI. Maybe it's even, it's even heightened. Um, I think the other place we've, we've found a lot of strength and resilience is in our DEI community roundtable. So once a month, we convene with um, other, other companies in the Gallatin Valley and actually across Montana, even a few corporate companies. Murdoch's is one of our members. Um, and we meet and we just talk about what we're doing in this space. And we are really vulnerable with one another. And we, you know, we say the challenges we're facing. We say the hard conversations we're having. We challenge one another. Um, we idea share. The great part is, you know, there's always something to be gained from peer engagement. That's what our entire business is built on. And so it's been really fun to, to sort of take our own medicine and, and just engage with 
with our peers, similar sized companies, larger companies, independent contractors, and just talk about what we can, excuse me, we can just talk about what we can all do better. Um, so like I'm a proponent of communication always, of conversation always. That to me is the most valuable resource always. Um, and then I'll always put a plug in for reading fiction. Uh, I think that there are so many great nonfiction books out there, articles, resources, podcasts, of course, and, and yes, like those are a quick Google search away. Um, but I think reading fiction about worlds that aren't your own and identities that aren't your own just like makes us more empathetic and, and makes us sort of more holistic in our, in our view of the world. So that's where, that's where I get inspiration or that's where I would encourage people to start. Starting with reading and just communicating with the people in your neighborhoods feels like a good start for most everything in life, really. It feels so simple. Like it, it feels so obvious, but it's so good to come back to that as a reminder. Totally. Absolutely. Well, and one thing, Yetta, that you and the JDEB team have implemented here across Pi and have encouraged our employees to participate in are JDEB pods. Uh, I'm a member of one and they're they're always really interesting. And going back to your point about communication. The pods themselves are a, an example of that communication. But within those pods, I remember having a conversation at one point about how to engage with people in your life that have different perspectives than you and different values or opinions than you. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of us really shy away from having those conversations with people who we disagree with because it is scary and it's hard to often articulate your own values in those settings. Um, I know a lot of people who have family who they very strongly disagree with on their political beliefs or their opinions about the world. And I've had practice because I have people in my family that I strongly disagree with. And I've found so much value in engaging in those conversations. I think it's just you know important in those conversations to know your boundary. You know, you know when the conversation is not productive anymore. You can have a dialogue without making it personal. That's one thing that I've learned in those conversations. Um, but all that to say, communication in the workplace or with people in your life elsewhere that you disagree with is one of the best ways to just be more empathetic and you know, whether or not you end up agreeing with them in the end, you at least can maybe start to understand why they think the way they do or where they're coming from when they have certain opinions or beliefs. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's so important. And I think also like changing our idea of what productivity needs to be. I think we, especially at Pi, but a lot of us in the corporate world are, are hyper productive people. We like to get things done. And having a conversation doesn't necessarily need to have the end result of changing someone's mind. Like production can also just look like actually listening and, and not interrupting someone like that. That always feels like a big win for me. If I can sit in a conversation, with someone I disagree with and not interrupt them, um, that feels productive. Um, so just changing, changing our idea of what those conversations can look like and knowing that, you know, it's an umbrella, like we're all just trying to walk and hold it together and like, there's, there's just no end point. Like you and I, Aubrey, you know, we, we spend time at work together and, and we agree on a lot, but we'll never have the same worldview. And I think starting to view that as a gift rather than a, rather than a, a sadness is, is a delight. 
Well, Yetta, thank you so much for your time today. This has been incredibly insightful. I'm walking away with things that I need to be better at, right? Um, and that's the whole idea here. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, and if it's okay with you, we'd love to reserve time with you in the future to talk about this again. Talk about what happened since we last spoke. Uh, bring in other guests. It'd be really nice to have you on the show again. Yeah, this was really fun and, and thoughtful. I always appreciate a conversation, as I've said more than once. So thank you both. Thanks, Thanks Yetta. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and hope you're enjoying your summer so far. If you ever have any feedback for us, have questions that you want answered during the podcast, or just have questions about Profitable Ideas Exchange, please reach out to us on our website, profitableideas.com backslash contact. Hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the podcast brought to you by Profitable Ideas Exchange. If you enjoyed the content in this month's discussion, please visit our blog at ProfitableIdeas.com or check out our books, Never Say Sell and How Clients Buy. Profitable Ideas Exchange, connecting powerful minds and making the world smarter and smaller.